When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to On The Fly, the official Pelicans podcast for HoopBall.com, providing in-flight insight for all Pella fans out there. In today's episode, we have our first guest on the show. It's episode three here, and he goes by the Twitter handle of at FearTheBrown. His name is Shamit Dua, and he's the lead writer for Bourbon Street Shots, a local Pelicans website. I'm your host, Nick Garisco, and as always, I'm here with Pelicans expert Michael Pelichet. Shamit, thank you for coming on On The Fly. Oh, no, thank you, guys. I've been talking to Mike for quite some time about putting something together like this, and I'm glad you guys finally uh, reached out to me and were able to do it. Yeah, and I don't I don't want to overstate it, but it felt a little bit like destiny because <laughs> we saw each other at uh, Urban South like a week ago, and it was just kind of the perfect timing for it. And um, Yeah, I'm excited. So let's get into it. And our first question for you, Schmidt, is there's a lot of off-season movement for the Pelicans this summer. What do you think the goal is for this year? And do you see do you see anything in the financials that points to what the Pelicans want to do with their their long term vision? So I think those are good questions because I think the goal is more of a dynamic thing than one of those result oriented uh, benchmarks that the Pelicans might have. I think on the surface they definitely want to compete. They went out and got veteran players like JJ Redick and Derek Favors to put around Drew and and they're kind of advertising the fact that this is Drew's team. So in order for that to be true, you need to have players who are ready to contribute rather than will perhaps grow into a contributing role. And I think ultimately they would be very happy uh, to make the playoffs and, and make a run. And I think it's difficult to say that is the mark of a, a successful season or not, because if you do come short, come up short, the Pelicans do have a lot of young players that we talked about. So I think they want to be as competitive as possible. And if they come up short, they won't be too upset from the financial side. I think it's interesting. This team is not going to have cap room the next year. And that's very intentional. I think they're going to operate as an above the cap team because one, there aren't very many good free agents in next year's market Two. They have 
the the rights to Derek Favors, they're going to have to pay Brandon Ingram, and they realize that okay, if we can secure these guys on reasonable deals, we'll have flexibility later on in Zion's contract before he's up for an extension himself. I don't think next year is important in terms of cap space, uh, especially because the Pelicans aren't going to land any premier free agents. But they're if, if they're able to take care of things in house, they'll be really well set up for the future. Uh, when hopefully Zion's making that leap into a superstar player. Right. Uh, Michael and I debated on the last podcast. So I wouldn't call it a real debate, but we kind of differed a little bit in our uh, win-loss or amount of wins rankings here. Or I shouldn't say rankings. The amount of wins that we project the Pelicans to have. We went and looked at the Vegas number. I believe right now it's 39.5, and that's actually come up from 38.5. Uh, Michael said between, he was a little more ambitious than I was here, he said between 43 and 45 wins. Uh, I thought that was a little optimistic. I was closer to 41, 42 wins. But, you know, that's very variable here. A lot of things can happen in those three games. Uh, What is your prediction for the Pelicans' win total this year? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to align closer to your win total than than Mike's. I think it would be great for the Pelicans to be in that 43-45 range. I do think they're going to be on the over of their projection, and I do think that they will end up with a winning record, but it would be by the the hair of their chin, basically. I I don't think it's going to be exceptionally um, good. But that being said, I think the Pelicans – have this sort of potential to take a leap that no one's really going to see just depending on the growth of their young players and how good Zion can be. So I don't think the upper bounds of how good the Pelicans can be is limited to 45. I mean, I think they could probably end up being a very good team if everything works out in a perfect world. You might be talking 48 wins, 49 wins, maybe 50. But again, I think realistically I'm closer to your uh, projection there. Do you think that the Pelicans – I hate to put you on the spot here, Schmidt, by the way, but do you think the Pelicans are going to be that seventh or eighth team in the playoffs, or do you foresee us uh, maybe kind of making the playoffs next year and the year after that? Uh, what, what's your playoff prediction for this year? I have them around ninth in the West, maybe tenth. I think – The eight teams that I consider to be playoff teams, I think at the top you have Houston, Denver, Utah, um, the Clippers. That's four, I think, no one would really argue, are like the top four seeds. And then you have the Lakers, um, the Warriors, the Blazers, and then maybe the Spurs, right? I don't think the Spurs definitively got worse this offseason. And they made the playoffs last year, and they've made the playoffs for the last 20-plus years. Um the Kings also did really well last year and they have young players who might continue to get better like De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald. So they're a team I could see ahead of the Pelicans, but in a similar tier. And then I think I have the Pelicans right around there. So if you have like a mix of teams, I would say maybe the, the Spurs, the Kings, the Pelicans, and maybe Dallas are fighting for that like last playoff spot. Unless, obviously, there's devastating injuries to the main eight or the main seven. So you, you just mentioned injuries. And so the next question that I have for you is if you if we could turn off injuries and we could just play out the season, 
and the Pelicans, for whatever reason, have a season well below your expectations, which sounds like it's the low 40s for wins, what do you think the most likely reason would be? I think the most likely reason for that is the Lakers' young core not being as good as we needed them to be. And it's really tough to, or it's not perhaps not fair to put all of the blame on them, yeah. but I really do think that Lonzo and Brandon, uh, specifically those two guys, are going to play a lot of minutes on their team. And they're going to have a lot of responsibility on this team. And those are players, Brandon Ingram's been in the league for three years. Lonzo is coming up on his third year. If they're not able to show that they can consistently produce uh, value that helps teams win, the Pelicans are, are going to be in a bad spot because if you look at the players behind them, who is the backup small forward? Who is the backup point guard? So if they aren't as good as you need them to be, I don't think the bench or anyone else is really going to step up and carry that load, and, and the, the Pelicans will suffer as a result. And I think if you want a more macro approach is the lack of shooting on this team is going to kill them. Yeah, it's funny, too. I don't know if you heard me laughing in the background. I, I'm feeling like a homer right now because you and Nick are both much more, I guess, down on the roster than I than I am. But, you know, in terms of, like, you said that Lonzo and Ingram will probably play a lot of minutes. Um, you know, one, why do you think that that's the case? And I'm not saying, obviously, it was we acquired them for a reason, but, you know, what kind of minutes per game projection do you have for them? And, you know, what do you see their long-term, I guess, places here? I, I mean, just do you expect them to be – a long-term part of our goal or do you think it's going to be something to where they're around for a little while and they'll get shopped somewhere else so let's let me tackle the minutes for game question first i think both of them are going to be eased into this workload because both of them are coming off of pretty severe injuries that ended their season the previous year but by the end of the season i have ingram getting anywhere between 34 to 36 minutes per game like true starter minutes uh playing that full-time wing position and then lonzo uh more conservative around 20 but somewhere between 26 to 30 probably closer to the 26 end uh depending on the matchup and how how good he actually ends up being i think that these players are I don't know. I think the Pelicans are open to what they want to do with their future uh, regarding those two and, and regarding pretty much anyone on this team except for maybe Zion. And I think the Pelicans are really going to utilize this year to find out what they have with these players and if there is value for these players around the league and perhaps what they can get. So they're in a tricky situation for with Brandon Ingram where if he breaks out, you have to pay him a lot of money, perhaps even a max contract. And is that a good thing to have while Zion's still on his rookie deal? I'm not sure. Like, I kind of want there to be flexibility while he's still under below market prices, theoretically, if he's going to end up being that good. And if Ingram, if you're Ingram, you're looking at Jamal Murray, who just got $170 million. You're looking at Ben Simmons, who just got $170 million. And then there's others in your draft class that are up for extension, such as Buddy Heald, Pascal Siakam, and Jalen Brown, who are also probably going to get big money. Now, I don't think Ingram is as impactful as Siakam or Ben Simmons yet, but I don't think Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown, or uh, Buddy Heald are, are that much better, or if they are better than Brandon Ingram. And if they're all going to get big money, then 
the Pelicans are in such an interesting situation where do you cough that up? And currently I'm, I'm saying they shouldn't, um, but we'll see. And I think the same thing with Lonzo is I, I actually think Lonzo, the Pelicans could probably get for a below market deal, kind of like how um, Dante Exum was, well, Dante Exum was overpaid, but somewhere around that $11 million range or kind of like a Marcus Smart, I think the injuries are going to prevent teams for fully locking into Lonzo uh, big money long term. Yeah, or possibly his father, I guess. But uh, we actually <laughs> spoke a little a little bit about that in the last podcast, speaking of the injuries and his father's comments. But uh, you mentioned the I'm loving this uh, big picture financial sit- situation that you're giving for the Pelicans here, Schmidt. And uh, but I you mentioned that Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, that young Lakers core, kind of being those. Uh, those X factors, if you will, not not to where, you know, they're the most valuable players on the team, but one of those situations where if they play really well, then the Pelicans are going to reach that uh, that Michael Pelache win total here, a 45 or or even or even more wins and maybe sneak into the playoffs here. Do uh, is is that what you think it will take for the Pelicans to hit um, or to play even better than your expectations here or do you think there's a little more to it yeah i think so i think at this point you know what you're going to get out of drew i think you know what you're going to get out of jj reddick i think you know how Derek favors plays i think he's going to be a lot better in in this role than he was in in utah not playing next to gobert and i think you've you've touched on that on your twitter posts a little bit particularly his production and how it goes up so i think you know with those guys you know what you're going to get the biggest X factors, it's like, okay, well, obviously there's Zion Williamson, but he's a rookie. So realistically, I'm not going to expect a rookie to come out of the gate and totally dominate and be this this force that you're like, okay, we can rely on him to win us games consistently. I think he'll absolutely get there, and we'll probably see a lot more of it as the year comes to a close. But I think I don't want to put the expectation on him in the beginning of the year. So that being said, you're left with who's the meat of the roster. Who are these younger vets who aren't the rookies, who aren't the vet vets? Who are these younger vets? And it's it's the Laker core. And if you look at how the team's kind of like set up, it's it's they have this trio of peer groups. You have the vets, you know, all the old heads. You have the rookies, and then you have the middle few, which is essentially the Lakers core plus like. Frank Jackson and, and Jaleel Okafor, um, some of those guys that have been in the league for, for quite some time. And the biggest variance I see from those players is coming from Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. If those guys can live up to this potential of being, you know, they were number two picks and Lonzo is analytically rated very highly in, in a lot of models. If he can, if his on-court production can match those projections, if Brandon Ingram can continue where he left off, right before he got hurt, the Pelicans can be very, very good. Yeah, and, and switching gears here, Schmidt, I, this is something that we had talked about a little bit at Urban South, but you do a lot of coverage on site, and that's always been something that I've had a lot of interest in, in in terms of what it reveals to you that you might not get elsewhere. You know, do you see there are clear advantages to this? You know, are there any disadvantages to it? Just Just talk a little bit about, you know, what it allows you to do and what it might obscure or anything in between. I want to say, like, I've been extremely fortunate to have the access that 
I've had over the past couple of years. I, I want to, you know, I guess thank the Pelicans organization for, for granting me those credentials, but it's been huge for me in terms of both writing as well as understanding the game. I think the biggest thing you can do with credentials is make relationships with mm-hmm. people. And it, to me, that's something that's happened over the course of, of a few years and it's getting to know the staff. It's getting to know, the coaches, it's getting to know some of the players and, and pretty much everyone around the organization. It's very much you put the time into it, you respect them, and, and you're able to build this sort of relationship that allows you to, one, understand things from their perspective, but two, get insight that you're not going to get anywhere else because these people are around the team literally. that's I mean, that's their job. that They are the team. They're not around the team. They are the team. And I think the biggest benefits of those relationships is I think some of my writing has gotten a lot better from, from an X's and O's standpoint where I'm able to bounce things off certain people on the team and be like, Hey, is this accurate? I think some of my analytical thinking has gotten better again for, for the same reason. Um, but as well as like getting, being able to get actual quotes from the relevant party. So if I'm interested in how the Pelicans are playing a specific, uh, pick and roll coverage i can just ask alvin like hey what was your thoughts behind that and they'll answer and and that's great just having answers directly from the source i think perhaps the the downside of that is once you have relationships with these people is maybe it gets a little bit difficult to be truly critical especially if you're critical about someone you like as a person or someone that's been good to you in terms of um answering your questions or whatnot so it's difficult to you know if if you're completely detached from the team you could log on twitter and be like hey solomon hill sucks you know but if you talk to solomon (laughs) in the locker room (laughs) yeah (laughs) right if you talk to solomon hill in the locker room and you know solomon is actually one of the guys i was able to to connect with um for our love of anime (laughs) and it gets a little bit difficult to get on Twitter and be like, man, Solomon Hill sucks. You have to be more... And anime sucks, yeah. <laughs> you have to be... Right. Right. You have to be more, um, I guess, tactful about it. Be like, hey, uh, maybe this is an area of improvement. <laughs> I don't know. But I think that would be the downside is, is perhaps it makes it difficult to criticize. But I think at the same time, it makes you really think about what your criticisms are mm-hmm. going to be. And I don't ever shy away from valid criticism. But I'm not, I think it's definitely helped me be more conscious of just gratuitously saying things that aren't productive. Yeah, this is really interesting because I was a journalism major at LSU and and there is that fine line. There's that balance that you, once you, once you make relationships with the players, uh, you want to maintain those relationships so that you can actually get your questions answered, right? And the only way that you can maintain those relationships is if you don't burn the bridges by uh, critiquing the players and they feel it's unfounded or they get insulted. And some of the players understand that you're just doing your job. And as long as you back up your assertion or maybe opinion with either statistics or some context or whatever, then they they respect that. But other players are, especially ones that are kind of in maybe a shooting slump or something, uh, can be emotional. And and, and it is tough as, as a journalist to actually kind of walk that line while putting out accurate information while also maintaining that relationship with the player so you're able to uh, accrue more accurate information in the future. And, and uh, you know, writing objectively is 
the number one journalistic priority, but you have to you have to be able to maintain the relationship enough to actually get the quotes that you need. So I, I love that you just spoke about the balance there. That really is a challenge that a lot of on-site or, or, or people covering the team really go through on a day-to-day basis. And it seems like if, if you're getting interviews or you're getting questions from Alvin Gentry, it seems like you're doing a pretty good job. Uh, uh, Shamit, talk about one thing, I mean, you're obviously close to the team and you're, you're able to see the team on an intimate level. Like you just mentioned the anime. I was just about to ask you before you even said that, uh, talk about one thing that you may know about a certain player. Maybe he's really well liked in the locker room or he's got a certain passion or does something weird that he wouldn't be embarrassed about. Talk about something that you may know from covering the team up close and personal that other Pelicans fans don't know and would be interested to hear. Do you have anything like that? Oh man, that's a that's a tough one. I think there's been some interesting characters in on the Pelicans over the the past couple of years. Obviously, Demarcus Cousins was a really fun character. Rondo was another uh, fun character on the team. I'm trying to think of specific moments. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I can think of any specific moment right off the top of my head, but those guy those two guys in particular always had something to say off camera always had something to they were always like ribbing other other players their teammates or whatnot both of them were always giving ad a lot of crap and uh that was funny to watch and it's funny to i mean a lot of those guys that you see that are quiet i mean like you you would think solomon hill would be a quiet person he is extremely uh vocal in in the locker room and it's a lot a lot of it's just jokes and uh yeah i'm trying to think if there was anything noteworthy last year nothing just really comes to mind at the moment uh, i may yeah, have to to parking lot that and uh think about it definitely and you're obviously welcome back on anytime you want uh and well yeah, a okay lot of here's the... something maybe not the players okay, go ahead. uh alvin alvin yeah. is Let's an absolute it. treat off camera because he'll go up and he'll do his job and answer all the media questions in the moment the questions are over and the cameras are off. Boy, oh boy! Like if it's been a bad game, he'll he'll just cuss them. He'll just like cuss out a lot of things. Uh, if it's it's been a good game, he'll like talk trash about the other team in in a way that's that's really clever. Um, he he has a lot of insights uh, on on players on how they played that game, and he he's not afraid to be very honest about it. Um, I don't want to snitch on him per se, but um, but yeah, let's just say he's brutally honest off camera no that's and, great and, and that's, that's where that's all great. of the insight comes from but besides that he has a million stories because he's been in the league for 30 years and he was telling the story one time about when he was in detroit when he was the head coach in detroit and one of his players was like choking out another one of his teammates and more people got involved and eventually they just sat back down and started watching film and that was like like nothing happened and i was like okay alvin's been through some stuff <laughs> Yeah, def- I've always appreciated how candid Alvin Gentry is in his interviews, and I'm sure he's even more so off camera there. Uh, and David Griffin seems like he's kind of the same way here. Uh, you know, obviously we can talk about David Griffin for hours here, but what's something that you are most excited about this season for the Pelicans? Honestly, I'm most excited about the amount of athleticism that's on this team, especially at those perimeter positions. I, I think the Pelicans have always needed, always 
yearned for athletic wing players who are dynamic offensively and and can just not be like six foot four on defense and all of a sudden the pelicans have a few players that can do that and they should be a very fun team to watch in transition just getting up and down the floor the the talent between you know drew and ingram and and zion and and favors i think you know those guys are projected to start and, and as well as lonzo watching those guys on the open floor is going to be very special and i'm, and I'm very here for okay, it okay so to be a buzzkill now and i'll talk about and this is an interesting question because i don't, honestly don't have anything right now um this is a really weird time to be objective because everything seems to be really good is there anything that you're not excited about this season like is there anything that really that you're not looking forward to about this year I think the Pelicans are going to struggle in the half court. I think the Pelicans have a depth issue that people aren't really focusing on much because people are like, okay, well, they have, they're, they're 10 deep. And it's like, they are 10 deep because you can maybe name all those players, but how many of those players are actually good? And it goes back to what I was talking about earlier is Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram can be very good players. Have they been producing at the level that's necessary for a team that wants to compete for the playoffs. I don't think they have yet. And one, obviously from a health perspective, but two, just from, from a production standpoint and behind them are players uh, such as Frank Jackson and Jaleel Okafor and Kenrich Williams and in a vacuum, all these names are very exciting, but they haven't really done much in the league. And if you magically put them on a playoff team's roster and you ask yourself would they get minutes i don't know if they would and so i think the bench situation is going to be very interesting to figure out and how alvin kind of balances the minutes between all of the young players and the vets and the 18 million guards that they have and uh, i'm not really looking forward to when the starters sub out the lead balloons I hear you here, and it and that's good because you always want to know the team's weaknesses going into the season. I think that one of our weaknesses is probably going to be. Uh, I, I know we signed Reddick, but I, I think one of our weaknesses is going to be the three point shot. I, I feel like the Pelicans are going to need somebody other than Reddick to uh, kind of step up outside the arc. Uh, Schmidt, I drew. Oh, go ahead. Gonna need, they're going to need Drew and, and Ingram to make more than their fair share of threes, especially Ingram. I think Drew's going to let it fly. Ingram doesn't let it fly for whatever reason, and and I think they're going to need that. And because if you want guys like Zion to be as successful as possible, you don't want Zion to be the guy spacing the floor for the other people. You want it to be the other way around. Right. Yeah, no, I hear you. Shamit, you tweeted today uh, the rankings – of ESPN's NBA ranks here, their top 100 that they just posted. Uh, I believe it's the top 100. They never really define this stuff. You know, like I know the NFL has a uh, top 100 players of 2018, like, and you don't really know if they mean going into 2019 or if they mean just based on last season's production. Where do you rank players who are hurt or who were hurt for 2018? Where do you rank them who are going to be hurt, like Clay Thompson for 2019? It, they didn't really define it again, but ESPN put out the top 100 NBA rankings. I I, I just want to say that it's going in to the 2000 this season right here because of the timing of the post here. 
Um, they ranked Drew Holiday at 31, Zion Williamson at 42, Brandon Ingram at 56, Lonzo Ball at 68, J.J. Redick at 73, and Derek Favors at 96. This is the top 100 here. What were some of the rankings that you had a problem with, and what are some of the rankings you agreed with? I had a problem with Drew's ranking, first of all. I don't think there are 30 players better than him in the NBA, especially after he had a career year last year and is projected to take on a bigger role this year. So no matter how you want to look at it, whether it's going into this year or how they did last year or whatever the case may be, Drew was absolutely phenomenal and is projected to have a higher usage rate, therefore putting up more points and other counting stats. So I think Drew at 31 is a little bit disrespectful for, for a player of his caliber, but um, I guess it's not the end of the world. I take a little bit of offense to Derek Favors only being ranked uh, 96. I think well, he's better than a lot of the bigs that were ranked ahead of him. I think Kyle Kuzma was in the 70s, which is interesting. Um, yeah, so I think those guys were underrated from, from a rankings perspective. I think... I want to say that that Zion was overrated because at 41, he is the highest ever first-year player ranked ever. And he was ahead of a guy like Kevin Love, who is a proven all-star. And again, he's one of those players where it's like, okay, he's coming off an injury. But if Kevin Love is healthy, he's a really good player. And if Zion Williamson can produce like Kevin Love produces uh, or is projected to produce this year, the Pelicans are going to be very, very good if, if, if that's how good Zion Williamson is going to be his first year. I think Ingram and Ball uh, at 56 and 68 respectively are interesting. I, I personally would have had both of them uh, a lot lower, but ESPN's high on them, so I'm not going to complain, and maybe that's something I need to reevaluate myself. Shimit, I have a question for you. If you had to reorder all these players, not necessarily assign a specific rank, but if you had to, to go into these six players – and rank them in order of who you think is best, just purely on the Pelicans, how would you rank them? That's tough. I would say Drew is the obvious choice for the best player. I would go with Derek Favors as the second best player, Brandon Ingram as third, J.J. Redick as fourth, Zion as fifth and Ball as, as that was sixth. the most surprising to me was favors at 96 felt like people don't really understand what he's going to be as a full-time center and they made it work despite you know Gobert and favors having a lot of overlap those lineups were really good and that was not an ideal fit so yeah it'd be interesting yeah I didn't have any problem with the Zion Williamson ranking is really tough to rank him because it's one of he's he's so athletically gifted that it's one of those rankings that if you say that he's too low, you could end up looking really dumb if he comes out and then performs the way a lot of people expect him to because he can be so dominant. But also he is a rookie and he he's also very he's the most highly rated player since maybe AD or even LeBron James. And, you know, odds are that he's not going to exceed those expectations. So it's, it's really tough to rank Williamson. I could kind of see him. I'm okay with the 42. The Drew Holiday thing, though, Schmidt, that was a real – that's a real travesty there. I kind of see him as like a top 15 player in the NBA, and he's all the way down at 31. I think that was pretty disrespectful there. 
I, I have to agree with you all on favors. I was kind of surprised uh, uh, that Ingram was so high, too. But I think that's what you get. And ball. I, I think that's what you get for playing with the Lakers. You get the L.A. media bump. Yeah. Um, but, Schmidt, that's actually all the time we have today. Hey, you were awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and, again, you can find all of his work on BourbonStreetShots.com and at, on Twitter at Fear the Brown. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to On the Fly, the official New Orleans Pelicans podcast for HoopBall.com. In flight, insight for the sharpest Pella fans. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to On the Fly and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at Mike underscore Pelicans, and I'm at Fantasy Law Guy. Tune in next week. Lock up, Pella fans. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.